Hi, and welcome back to another season of Conversations. I'm your host, Monica Schallenberger, and I am here with our two new program coordinators in Klein IC for our department. Hi, I'm Caitlin Floyd. Hi, I'm Jessica Tovar Hilbert. And we are excited to kick off a new book study dive with the book Multipliers, How the Best Leaders Make Everyone Smarter by Liz Wiseman. And this book is really about leaders who multiply the skills of their the people that they serve to become better to become better leaders themselves. And so we're going to start with the first chapter, which is called The Multiplier Effect. We will also put where to purchase this book in the show notes because it's definitely research rich. It'll make you better and definitely reflect on the type of leadership that you have. So chapter one was called The Multiplier Effect. And Liz Wiseman, the author, really dives in on how multiplier leaders invoke each person's unique intelligence and create an atmosphere of genius, innovation, productive effort, and collective intelligence. So if anybody reads that sentence, you definitely want to make sure you're the type of leader who's tapping into the potential of the people that follow you. So because Jessica and Caitlin literally just facilitated a session on chapter one, I'm going to let them give a very brief overview of the chapter before we kind of go into a discussion about the content and what was in there. All right. Well, I think one of the things Caitlin and I were talking about after we finished the book was how they arrived at the data of what it means to multiply, what it means to diminish. And um, in the chapter, they talk about uh, the vast research that they did interviewing leaders and staff and team members and how they noticed patterns. And one um, thing that stood out to me was how they measured the impact of leaders who multiply and leaders who um, don't foster growth. Yeah, I want to add to that real quick that the book is written by, and correct me if I'm wrong because it's been a minute since I read chapter one because I'm already way further in the book because it's so good. The author did two years of research and studies with different companies and leaders from all over the world. Mm -hmm. And so I like that the, all these situations have so many different companies, school districts, et cetera, that they went and looked at for these leaders. Right. They, um, they actually interviewed and studied um, over 150 leaders through many different um, organizations and types of organizations um, after they had asked some senior professionals to name some people who were diminishers and who were multipliers. And then they actually studied both types um, of those people. They interviewed them and then they, um, they studied them in their practices to get some data and some research on their on what actually makes a, a multiplier and what makes a diminisher. Well, and the thing is, it doesn't matter what organization you're in because one thing that they uh, noticed was multiplier leaders accessed more than 100% of their capability. And there's a couple of things that they did. They extracted intelligence, they extended intelligence, um, and they leveraged their resources while also making sure that they were staying away from d the diminisher types of behaviors. And I do want to go into real quick what the opposite of a diminisher is. Did you guys? The opposite of a multiplier? I'm sorry, thank you, opposite of um, a multiplier. So the opposite of a multiplier in this the context of this book is a diminisher. Um, and the concept of a diminisher is not that someone is 
labeled as a diminisher and that's all they are and that's all they'll ever be. It's that we all have a tendency to have some diminishing qualities and things that we do or have done in the past that um, have diminished the people around us in certain ways. And most of us, if we are at all, are what the book refers to as accidental diminishers and that you know, we maybe accidentally do some of these things, such as um, the book kind of maps out some things that diminishers do. They believe that adding more resources to a challenge or to an, an issue is the answer. Um, they focus on their own intelligence. They kind of believe that they are the genius or they are the smartest person in the room rather than, you know, depending on the collective intelligence of the people in the room. They drain intelligence and they drain the capability out of the people around them. And they're kind of known as the idea killers or energy destroyers. Um, and like I said, these aren't just people who are, they're always gonna be a diminisher. They are people who you know, have some qualities that sometimes have led to diminishing people around them. Okay, so I just wanna talk about the five disciplines of the multiplier. It's on page 20 if you end up purchasing the book. Um, and the first one is attracting and optimizing talent. And in this part of the chapter, it talks about how multipliers are just magnets for people with talent. And, it's, and, and they attract and deploy talent to the fullest, regardless of who owns the resource, people flock to work with them. And when, as we're kind of thinking through this part of the discipline that multipliers usually have, which is opposite from diminishers who operate as like empire builders who insist they must own and control all the resources to be more productive. I want you guys to think about multipliers as talent magnets and empire builders or diminishers as empire builders and kind of think through without saying names, but maybe some past leaders or a leader that you've worked for and kind of talk me through the behaviors that you saw either as an empire builder or a talent magnet, which again, you're wanting to be a talent magnet and how that affected the organization that you worked with or when you saw that type of leadership. I think that's another really interesting part of the book is that they provide a lot of anecdotes in here that I think we can all relate to, you know, been working for a while. Yeah. You've all had the opportunity to work with people who, you know, grow your genius and intelligence versus those you feel like stifle what you're capable of um and i would say that reflecting on my previous work experiences and i've been working a long time i, I have worked under both diminishers and uh, multipliers and i think the common thing with the multiplier leaders that i've worked with is that you really feel like they are they are sitting right next to you they are part of the team even though they have the formal title that they're in charge but they really want to hear what you have to say and also turn to people in the group that you may not have thought of as a resource to tackle a problem or a challenge. And um, I think that, especially when you have a large staff, it's really easy to lose track of how much genius is actually in the room. And as Caitlin and I talked this morning when we presented, she made a wonderful statement about you know you hire everyone for a reason you hire them because you believe that they're truly capable of doing this job and somewhere along the way i think when you exhibit diminishing qualities you forget that 
for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, in your human. In your human, yeah. The worst thing is to see a team or a part of a campus or a department where there is an empire builder who's just micromanaging talent, essentially. Like, And I think we've all seen this in one way or another somewhere in our career, and people that are listening can probably think back to it too. And it's just a different work vibe. And to me, how depressing, like this is what we go to for nine hours plus a day, depending on whatever position you're in, and to work for someone who stifles you as a person and your individuality and what you can bring. But even if you were like smart enough to think about it, if the diminisher, diminisher true diminisher, you're like that's our personality, not someone who's accidentally diminishing. Mm-hmm. If they would think about it, could just open up so much more success for your organization, no matter what sector you're in, education, business that you're stifling the people that work for you and you could be more successful as a group mm-hmm. all because you want to own and control everything. That's just depressing to me. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, like Jessica said, we've all been on um, teams or worked under leaders who, you know, um, we've had diminishers, we've had multipliers as bosses and some in between. Um, and I can think back to a time when I was, um, you know, part of a team, I was kind of new and, um, it felt like everyone on the team was was very very successful, and we were all geniuses in our in our own right, as the book kind of describes. You know, are you a genius? You're a genius maker. Um, but because there were so many um, geniuses on the team, that the um, the leader really um, didn't use all of us to the best of his or her ability. They just kind of use the same people that they tend to always go to, um, forgetting, like you said, that they hired all of us for a reason. And so the whole concept of being a multiplier as a leader is to not just tap into those few same people and you know kind of overwork them, but to utilize everyone to the best of their ability so that the the wealth is you know spread out among the team. Yeah, that's a great point. So number two is creating intensity that requires best thinking. And and the author says multipliers establish a unique and highly motivating work environment where everyone has permission to think in the space to do their best work. So this is along the same lines as the first one. Multipliers are liberators, which produce a climate that is both comfortable and intense and really remove fear and create that safety. But in contrast, administrators operate as tyrants and they're judgy, um, they introduce a fear of judgment, which has a chilling effect on the way people think and work. And unfortunately, I'm sure we all have an example of where we were, you know, in a work situation where we maybe worked for a tyrant versus a liberator. And so let's just talk about like what that stressful environment had done briefly um, on motivation and how it can really affect the organization and how people, if you're in that situation, can find motivation while working for the tyrant. Well, I think tyrant kind of, when I read that, I thought, uh, it's a bit of an exaggeration and has such a negative connotation. I mean, really everything in the diminisher column does have a negative connotation, obviously. But um, I think it almost counts out. Uh, Some people will go, well, I'm not a tyrant, so that's not me. Yeah, good point. Um, But... The, the description under tyrant is creates a tense environment that suppresses people's thinking and capability. And I've definitely worked under leaders um, who have done that. And then in contrast, when I've worked for someone who's a liberator, 
um, it's so refreshing to be in that environment where someone makes you feel like they they are like, this is why I hired you. You're doing exactly you know what I want you to do. Um, and you feel like you are doing the thing that you're made to do just by being in that situation. And that's what working for a liberator feels like. Um, and they get the best out of you rather than you know working for a tyrant who kind of makes you feel like you know you don't have the ability to, to be as successful as you once thought you could be. Well, and I think you bring up a good point with your specific example that sometimes it just can be words of affirmation. It doesn't even need to be an airplane with a message behind it being like, Jessica, I hired you for this. Wow. I mean, it can just be like a compliment, an email. And, and I think too, it's important just to add to that. Diminishers should find out how people are motivated because I love words of affirmation. Lucky everybody, because it's the easiest one to do. It doesn't cost money and it's quick. <laughs> but some people might like tangible gifts. And not that you have to go buy everybody a diamond necklace that you work with, but it might be a card or a candy bar. You know, it sounds cheesy. And I think, you know, I've worked for a leader before. I was like, I'm not going to thank people and tell them they're doing a good job. That's what they're getting paid to do. And I'm like, oh gosh, that has stuck with me over the years. So I'm like, yes, they're getting a paycheck, but like you should tell them thank you. And you're doing a great job because we're all human and we want to be validated in the work that we're doing more than anything else we're doing in our lives Monday through Friday if you work outside the home. So I just think it's really a, a good extension on finding that motivation is like what motivates you and asking the people. And I know some of these organizations, you know, our high schools have 300 plus teachers that can be difficult, but there are ways you can do it to make sure you get to know the people that you serve. Yeah, I think, and I just pointing back to what Caleb was talking about, you know, the label or the label tyrant, you know, it's, you know, diminishing and multiplying is not about like personality traits, yeah. you know, perfectly nice leader <laughs> can have Behavior. diminishing qualities yeah. and, and not even realize it. Um, and a multiplier can can maybe have a challenging personality, but they're still getting the, yes. it's their, in their actions. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's just one thing to remember. And also that it, it lies along a spectrum, right? So, you know, everyone's gonna fall at certain points in their work life. They're gonna accidentally diminish or intentionally, I don't know. <laughs> or multiply so it's sort of i see it as like something really fluid and um but uh another interesting thing that stood out to me was like how much it actually like if you quantify their impact for those the people that need like hard evidence yeah. if you quantify the impact of, impact of a diminisher it's two times greater growth yeah. than I'm sorry, multiplier, multiplier two yeah. times greater growth is a multiplier than under leadership as a diminisher, which actually takes away uh, almost up to 50% less productivity and growth. So, I mean, if you, if you're not swayed by the human aspect of it, yeah. then maybe think about it productivity you know, from the productivity yeah, aspect. <laughs> this is hard for you to think about doing. Yeah. I mean, if you care about productivity and I think every leader should and does, then that's enough to learn this way and try to figure it out and how it can match your behaviors alone. So I yeah. agree with that. All right, so the third one is extending challenges. And I like this one because it says multipliers act as challengers, continually challenging themselves and others to push beyond what they know, but they seed opportunities. And then your diminishers are the know-it-alls who are personally giving out directives. And I just think about how I feel like I personally flourish if I'm in a position of some autonomy. And obviously everyone needs a little bit of direction, et cetera. When you have a when you have somebody you report to, that's just how it works. But 
I love the thought and a smile about the leaders I've worked with that have, you know, been like, well, what do you think? Or, you know, my, my current one, the current person that I, that I report to, you know, I've learned so much in the last year. And, and the biggest one is like, if I have a, a situation I need to bring up and it needs to change, I need to come with a solution. And it stretched me at first because, you know, she would say like, well, what, what do you think is the solution? And it doesn't mean like whatever you say is going to be to go for, but it did, it's changed my mindset completely that instead of complaining about something or saying, Hey, this is a challenge, which is going to happen anywhere. It's automatically thinking, but what's the solution? And so, and then it's made me do the same for people that report to me of saying like, if you're okay, great. What do you think is a solution? If you think this is a problem, what do you think? And so, um, I just think that's so important that, you know, multipliers are really stretching people. And I just think of how much that's made me grow as a person and my positions for those, when I work for those leaders that are like, well, what do you think? What do you, why don't you do that and tell, come back and let me know what's your proposal. Come back and give it to me during this time frame. Yeah. I would add to that just, um, that, you know, I've been in that position where I felt like, um, I came from maybe a, a know-it-all, um, diminisher who, just gave directives and then I did the work and it was fine and I got used to that. And so when you move from that into working under someone who's more of a multiplier and a challenger, um, who actually gives you opportunities to stretch and grow, um, at first it can be a little bit daunting because you're like, no, wait, just tell me what to do and, um, and, and I'll do it, but they're trying to grow you. Um, and so they say, okay, I'm just going to like, give you an overview of what, you know, this, what I would like, and then you kind of come up with what you want it to look like. And that's, you know, um, that's been helpful for me because it's given me an opportunity to grow and kind of stretch my capabilities into my first instinct being, Oh wait, no, I'm not, I'm not good enough for that. Or I don't have, you know, the skill for that, but figuring it out along the way has grown me as a leader as well. Okay. So four is debating decisions. So multipliers operate as debate makers, driving sound decisions to rigorous debate. And diminishers operate as decision makers who seem to make decisions efficiently within a smaller inner circle. And I really just think this means like giving voice to the people that you serve. And I do want to point out, I feel like this has to have a level of professionalism on the team. Mm -hmm. And norms have to be put in place and there has to be explicit communication around this dynamic. And I think it's also something that teams would probably have to build to, because I know the different people that I can have these debates, rigorous debates with, especially at work. Um, and not, and, and no one walk away being like so overly offended that it like hurts the dynamic or relationship. I mean, both of you, I feel like definitely do that. Um, so anyways, tell me a little bit about like, have you been on a team or an experience where this was something that really pushed the work forward where you were at? I think so. I had a, um, a really wonderful boss that said one day, don't solve a problem in a meeting. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that that's <laughs> what a piece yeah. of gold because, you know, because he wanted to open the room for debate and for discussion, but the end goal should not be, we're going to have a rock solid, especially for really, I mean, for some problems, yeah, sure. You can sort it out, but, for really difficult, challenging, you know, when an organization is faced with 
deep challenges, maybe financial ones or whatnot, you know, you're not going to solve it all then and there. And hosting a meeting is not going to be the solution. So we would all walk away with like, gosh, you know, did you hear what this team had to say and this team and, and really soak it all in and, stu- and stir it around before you, you react, you know? Um, and then also, you know, I think we've all worked for, you know, you look at the decision maker, it's really easy to see in an organization because it's top down communication, right? Instead of like everyone sharing in that and, and having, having a say and, and, you know, when there's no committees or things like that. Um, so I really, I really like as uncomfortable as it can be, but if you have a set of norms, like you said, I think you really can have healthy, true healthy debates and, and kind of hammer things out that way. That way everyone has a voice mm-hmm. and you're not, it's, it doesn't feel like a top down. And so you can see all the angles too. I like that you said everyone Mm -hmm. kind of walked away processing, especially because everyone has different processing speeds. I've really soaked that in the last four years. Caitlin's also helped me with that. (laughs) And neither processing speed is right or wrong. But, you know, give wait time and let people process. That's been a a learning curve for me because I'm like, I'm 120 miles per hour and I just thought everybody else was like that. And then, you know, the more I analyze it, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it, um, it, this, this one, uh, this discipline kind of reminds me of thinking about the four different types of uh, decisions. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, not every decision or situation calls for a debatable, like, group yeah. decision, Good right? Point. So I remember a Holdsworth training that I did a while back in the four types of decisions, like autonomous, uh, consultative, joint, and delegated. So, you know, some are group decisions where it's open to debate and talking and figuring things out together. And some are just like, you know what? Oh, mom and dad have to make a decision on this one. Pull the hammer down. Yeah, that's a good point. And then the last one is uh, instilling ownership and accountability. So multipliers serve as investors who provide the necessary resources for success. And in contrast, diminishers serve as micromanagers who drive results by holding on to ownership, jumping into details and directly managing for results. Um, and I think this is hard for any leader because everybody wants the things that their name is on, you know, whether you're working under an organization or not. If it's your team, you want everything to be gold. So I don't fault whether they're intentional diminishers or accidental. Like I do relate to that. It's like you do want to make sure all the products are good. Um, and, and then there also has to be a balance of like, how much autonomy do you give without letting it go too loose, but then you got to have some tight and it's like this constant balance of the workday and projects from a leadership standpoint to make sure you're giving enough of the resources for that success while also making sure the work's being moved forward in a successful way. So I would say that's, you know, a little bit harder. I relate to that. Yeah, there's definitely a fine line, I think, yeah. um, with this discipline being an investor or a micromanager, yeah. because I think every position needs a little bit of both. Yes. Um, and it's not always a negative thing to micromanage some things that need to be micromanaged um, that, are, that are very important. Um, but nine times out of ten, well, probably not nine times, but yeah, uh, more, more often than not, I think we get more out of people just like, the, the whole concept of being multiplied. We get more out of people by um, giving them ownership over tasks. And, and then if it's not up to 
you know, the, the skill level uh, that you want it to be, then, you know, giving feedback to help grow that person so that the next time you give them that opportunity, they have, they know what the expectation is and can, you know, try to, to live up to it. Yeah, I agree. Because you, I mean, you don't want to be so hands off that, you know, there's no guidance given yeah. or that people just, you know, and then when things don't go, when they yeah. don't go the way that you plan. God bless. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> but um, I think like pointing to what you said earlier, Monica, about being clear. And if you have clear processes and a system for feedback um, and checks, you know, imbalances, then I think that helps, helps you be, give owners truly give ownership to people rather than getting into the trenches sometimes you have to it's all hands on deck but um yeah i, I agree it's hard it's hard to let go it's your baby and you want it to grow up to be beautiful you want it to and, grow up to be the best yes. deliverable and project that it can be <laughs> yeah I, I just it's it's just an interesting it's funny after you guys gave this session this morning and, and we had an event this morning that they facilitated at someone came up to us later and was like, I got a 32 on the quiz. Cause there's a host of different tools you guys can find on the internet as well. And um, it's just funny because you, you, you pick up the book, you think like I'm a multiplier. And then you read about the accidental diminishing. And then maybe there's just a few things and they're like, Oh no, do I do that? And you're like constantly reflecting. And so I just want to encourage listeners like this book is amazing. What I love about it is it's research driven. So it's not just like an author with an opinion, which is totally fine too. It's not a, it's not an opinion piece. It's, it's rooted in, studies from companies all over the world and what they what the trends were that they saw. So uh, we're going to be doing this once a month with our episode for our book dive for this year. And our next episode will be with Dr. Jenny McGowan, our superintendent, and that will be released on September 28th. So if you're listening, definitely come back and stay tuned. And thank you, Caitlin and Jessica, for your input. Thank and you. we look forward to having thank this conversation you. and listening for the months to come.